Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold sets so. up. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Finally. We've got a game to talk about. No more talking about the offseason or camp or no more pontificating about what might happen. we got something of substance to talk about this week. It's Texas and Maryland. Year two of the Tom Herman era gets kicked off on Saturday, 11 a.m. local time at FedEx Field, home of uh, Rod. Which NFL team plays at FedEx Field? Game week, baby. The Washington Racial Slurs play there, baby. Big time. Pistolas McCoy. Yeah, oh, I'll uh, I'll nice. let I'll, I'll I'll let Rod take that one. But uh, anyway, it's true. What do you mean? I, I mean yeah. I'm trying to be politically correct here. There you go. Only uh, being accurate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like that's actually the only right <laughs> thing yeah, to check say. Check the racial slur database. RSDB.org, by the way, real site. I didn't make that up. That's the kind of stuff you get here on Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I'm Jeff Howe. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He's the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, ready for another year viewing from the stands. He'll have his color-coded charts with him on game day. Matt Butler. Matt, what's going on, man? I hope I'm not bringing my charts to game day, but I will have plenty of charts <laughs> after each awesome. Somebody in the stands, <laughs> they go, the stands, oh, man. Chart and stuff. If Matt's watching from home, <laughs> he'll have his... Got my Andy Reid costume on. If great. Matt's watching from home, he'll have his charts. There you go. Yeah. Not expect him. with a clipboard and stands would be classic, actually, charting stuff. I forgot where that I... That would go viral. I they saw a hilarious dude dressing up as an umpire and doing like all the, you know, the different, yeah. like, gunning them out. But yeah, a coach, that's a whole nother level. Oh, you're just sitting there charting out stuff? <laughs> you know somebody listening to this is playing right? that Tulsa game, that's home opener, For DKR, real. somebody's going to do it. Yeah, yep. you know what I mean? No, I agree with that. You know what they should... Oh, okay, you know what? We're going way too far here. Alright, you know what? Stick to the script. Let's go. Alright, sorry. Speaking of the script, script club, whatever, he's a man of many talents, a renaissance man here on the show. Uh, were you really, Rod? Wow. Yeah, Where I got a like take you? on the show about strip clubs and Odell Beckham Jr. So, uh-huh. yeah. That, see, that is why he's the renaissance yeah. man here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UCL American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award, fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was oh. done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, under 40 acres where he earned his degree. His T ring is on the way, and when he gets it, he will wear it proudly. Right. He's a card carrying member of DBU, number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. And Rod, thanks for the intro, brother. We got good. we got football to talk about. I know. About. I'm feeling I'm real like hyped up. You can tell. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's game I see, week. I can see the excitement in yeah, your face. I'm, I'm like, hyped up. It's game week. High school you know football. I mean? I'm gonna yell and scream. You're almost blushing. Yeah. High school yeah, exactly. football. <laughs> high school football in the great state of Texas starts this week, the regular season. Texas gets yeah. going on Saturday. Uh AM's playing uh who are they playing? Like Northwestern State or whoever they're playing on Thursday. Oh, oh, oh is that really? Yeah, I think My, that. Uh, is that the like the road is, what is that, the Roadrunners or something? What are they? Oh man. Northwestern State's the demons. 
Demons, yeah, yeah, that's right. No, it's it's that's Louisiana, right? Yes. Yeah, Nac- is that Nacket- Nacketish or yeah, what my, is Nacket- Yeah, my my dad went there. Is it yeah. Nacketish or is Nichols Nacketish? I forget. Yeah. Uh, I, well, uh, random facts. I, I apologize Craig for not Ray having affected this show. I apologize <laughs> for not having my Southland schools yeah, home all, bases. We all straight. shook hands with Craig Way on the way in here because he's out mm-hmm. there hanging out. So that's what happened, really. We Craig Way is infected. We all yes. trying to drop random facts in there. But uh, <laughs> I, I guess yeah, the Aggies kick it off. But Texas gets going on Saturday. The home opener will be a week from. Saturday, but uh, guys, this is a game where when we start to break it down, uh, the first thing I want to do is look at the depth chart. And typically, mm-hmm. whether it's been Mac Brown or Charlie Strong or now Tom Herman, that Monday press conference, that first in season game week press conference, is usually reserved for naming a starting quarterback or a, a big depth chart reveal. Rod, there wasn't much suspense at all with this thing. Sam Ellinger got announced as the starting quarterback the week prior. We talked yeah. about that last week on the show. And really, I mean, other than the or next to Derek Kerstetter and Sam Cosme at right tackle. I agree with that one. Other than the ongoing battle between Cameron Dicker and Joshua Rallett, Rod, I'm sorry, Chris Nagar is no longer apparently in that competition. Oh, come on. I want kickers with cool names. Well, you can still get Cameron Dicker. Dicker the kicker. You can still get Dicker the kicker. Just because his name alone, I want Dicker in there. (laughs) But really, I I mean. (laughs) Doesn't sound real. That sounds weird. (laughs) Other than those two things, though, guys, this depth chart, pretty much, I mean, I was at the first fall camp practice, and this is pretty much what that depth chart looked like. I think the most intriguing or, I guess, because now that's, a, that's now this is a big thing, right? Did you see the Dana well, Hogerson people statement? Used to, people used to get on Mac for doing it. Now yeah. everybody, like, has taken it overboard. And yeah, uh, I did see well, Dana Hogerson. Yeah, apparently West Virginia apparently has made it personal. Uh, Dana Hogerson was asked why he had so many ors on his depth chart, and he basically had them almost at every position. And he said, well, Tennessee, they ordered us first, and they put right. a lot of ors on on their depth chart, it's like well, so no, now it's no point of a depth chart if they're just ores all over the place. Right. Uh, yes. But the the point about tech, the, the most intriguing or scenario is the running back position to me. I, I love really? the fact that there's an or hanging out at uh at right tackle. I'm cool with that. To me, that's depth. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, what I mean, that's a good or. You know, what I mean, the running back or is huh? So I wonder, you know, it's going to be a committee like who. Who how's those carries distributed? It'll be probably thirty carries between those three top guys: Trey Watson, um, Keontae Ingram, and Daniel Young. I hope it's closer to thirty-five. It or maybe should even be. 40. It should I be. So. But I know yeah. Sam will get you know his four or five little design run probably plays, more and, than that, and yeah. he'll have scrambles yeah. that'll get him probably close to ten carries too. So I'm just trying to think about that forty number that I love that last year when Texas rushed for at least you know forty attempts in a game. They were sick. They were undefeated. They were six and zero, yep. and they only won seven games. They were like, "Well, hey, that matters. That's a, that's a, that stat matters to me." I you think the I mean? only game they did was the Baylor game, and I think they were at thirty eight. Yeah, they were right there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, just well, just because of what they were last year and the identity of the team, they won with special teams. Long ball Dixon, who based on his NFL performances, guys, I'm freaking out that he's gonna, the best in football. We're gonna miss him a lot. You know, what no, I mean? like, I'm we glad you brought that up. Him yeah. Enough. That because what he's doing at, at the NFL level now, Peter King is tweeting mm-hmm. about him, and I forgot the stat, but he had he had two fifty-five yard mm-hmm. punts inside that the were five. down inside the opponent's five. Went out of bounds at the three, each of them. Yes, in that in that uh, this past weekend, and there were only one of those punts last year in the entire season or zero. Well, no, so you had only right? uh, so he did it twice. He did it in twice. one game in last one year. You never had one have punter one do it more than, than once. once. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, so exactly. you had tw- it happened had three I think, times, I think, but only guy did it one time per in game. a game yeah. exactly. And he so did what it twice he did, in one game. It, it's insane. No, so I, I'm afraid that in terms of field position and, and hidden yardage that we're gonna 
right, we're gonna be like wondering like what the hell's going on with the defense and why doesn't it look as mm-hmm. good? And it may just because they don't have long ball Dixon pinning people deep like that. And if you time, just though. take long ball Dixon's adjusted net yards from his punts last year. So you sort of normalize the numbers for the opponents and situation that you're in. Do that and then compare him to the average college football player. It was on the SB Nation preview when they broke down like the analytics preview of the Longhorns. They said that it was literally a first down to every single Texas offensive drive. So he was 10 yards in the net better than your collegiate average. Now that's considering all 120 or 130, not all power five, but still to be a full first down that's insane ahead of the entire competition. Like the growth of Michael Dixon, I was talking to somebody about this over the weekend, the growth of Michael Dixon was from, oh, man, this guy can boom it to, man, this guy can like directional kick like a mother. Like, oh, uh, why don't you pin the ball left pylon right. d- and kill it at the two-yard line? It's like and doing it's trick like, kicks. It's like, yes. like a spin yeah. dolly with From the ball. From 60 it's yards like, out right. with like the th- 4.8 hang time every time. He throws it with his foot. Like he, yes. <laughs> That's what made him special. Like, people look at – From down it. under, he's like, the opposite the version. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. We can look at the we just got the bloodline at punter. Right. We can look at the net punting average and all that stuff. But to me, that's where you're going to yeah. miss him. It's like, hey, we need you to pin them inside the five. Can so you do that? There's a reason Pete Carroll, one of the best coaches in the NFL, traded up to get yes. him. Mm-hmm. And then one of the best uh, punters in the NFL, who was an old punter, John Ryan, with Seattle, decided, nah, I'm out. <laughs> I've seen this guy at practice. I get it. It's good. You know what I mean? He pulled the John Bonnie, like, okay, I see it. Uh, these young guys are legit. So, I, but, but getting back to the initial point about the running backs, I think – because Texas has to establish a running game versus Maryland, that is going to be key. Like, and we don't know how it's going to be manufactured. It could be just Sam, the Sam Ellinger show like it was last year. It could be them actually being able to run it in a more traditional form. Maybe they do a lot of, you know, maybe they run a lot of two tight ends since now they have depth at tight end, try right. to get numbers and leverage. Like, I don't know exactly how they're going to do it. Maybe they do it with a lot of misdirection and, and funk, as Brian Harson calls it, pre-snap motions and shifts and movement. But they got to figure out a way to run the ball effectively. That trio of running backs, sometimes, you know, it's a hot hand, too. Like, some some running backs match up better against different defenses. We've seen this before right. at Texas when we had Brown and Bergeron and, and Gray and, hell, even with Chris Warren and Deontay Foreman. Sometimes, like, oh, this guy against this defense, they can't tackle this guy. They don't want to. Right. You know what I mean? So, I see I, – I, I just want to know how they're going to not regulate it, how they're going to try to, uh, you know, adjust the uh, the – the personnel packages based on the game plans week to week with those guys. Or it's just like whoever becomes the guy, you're the guy. Right. The Michael competition. The Michael Dixon conversation, Rod, to me, blends into that because to me, this is my I've said this about the, the offense all offseason and now we'll get to see if it plays out starting with this Maryland game. And and I want to talk big picture on the offense yeah. here in a second. But can the off? It, it, let's assume that the defense is going to be in the area code with how good they were last year. And okay. I'm not saying they've got to completely replicate yeah. last year's production, but just don't have your production fall off a cliff. Just yeah. be around where you were last yeah. year. Top 20, top 15 defense. Right. Yeah. If you can bank on you know what you're going to get from your defense game in and game out, the thing with where the win ceiling is for this team, it's can the offense improve enough to – supersede the advantage you no longer have in the kicking game. Yeah. Great point. Like you can't that's something I, when you talk about teams it's like what can you bank on? Like people say, you know, every time, well, a running game and a run defense that travels every week. Like what can you bank on traveling with you every week? And for Texas last year it was two things, run defense, yep. and Michael Dixon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You've got the potential to have one of those things still, but you don't have the other. 
clearly. Yeah. Regardless of how good Ryan Bushevsky is, he's, he's not, not going to replicate what Michael not, Dixon gave you last now. year. At least even, not this even, year. Because even freshman long ball Dixon wasn't the guy that he was. No, he actually mm-hmm. had some shanks yeah. that yeah. Texas fans were like, yeah. well, it just shows how much you can grow as a player. Right. When that happens as a freshman year, you leave early and what you should be still at Texas, arguably the best punter on earth. Yeah. So that, to me, Rod, is where the offense conversation starts. Now, going deeper in that, to me, with the run game, and I love you brought this up in the offseason, and I love it. Tom Herman in this offense, and, and we'll talk about that here in a second when we talk about play calling and whose oh, offense is Oh, the it. play caller conversation. But this Tom Herman offense, you look at his play-action passing game, and that's really when his imagination gets fired mm-hmm. up and you really see them get dynamic I and they're diverse. But as you put it so eloquently in the offseason, man, it's hard to have a play action passing game when you can't run the damn ball. Which is why, you know, go go to it early in the game. Like when the defense doesn't know your run game sucks, go to the it early in the game. The first quarter should have probably a, like a third of their play action passes in the first quarter right. alone. Like just, well, until you know you have a good running game. Right. So that is why every offense, it's pretty much key to run the football in some way shape or form but for this Tom Herman offense you in this pro spread system you've got to be able to establish the run to be able to carry you from one point to the other yeah and that's why you know the big question for Texas is what's going to be the offensive identity and we know from year to year it changes but uh, we know the running game's got to be a part of it we just don't know exactly how it's going to come to fruition we have no nobody has any idea because we brought in Herb Hand you know, he's a co-OC, and he's supposed to come help some of the power spread principles and bring that to the pro spread. So it, I hope it looks a little different. Tom, Tom Herman keeps bragging about, you know, hey, well, five, you know, for five, uh, five years we haven't had the same offensive system in back-to-back years. Mm-hmm. I hope it's not the same system as last year. I hope it evolves based on the talent and based on, you know, adjusted based on, you know, who's who's going to be like the the, the, the guys who are the big playmakers, the dynamic mm-hmm, playmakers. Right. And honestly, unfortunately, I think most of those are at the wide receiving position and not at running back. And that's going to be the challenge with questions at offensive line and questions about your running game and if you can establish it. How do you get the ball to little Jordan Humphrey and Colin Johnson, who are the most talented guys on this on this? That's offense? where the evolution of this offense comes into play because you know I mean? that slot position in this offense. There, there's two positions where, and I, obviously, clearly, look, this is why to me the play calling decision hasn't mattered much in the offseason. When you're as bad as Texas was offensively yeah, last year, it's yeah. not just one thing. That I don't went give a wrong. damn who's calling the play. Right. Mm-hmm. It, it was a, a, a it was a system you know, it was failure. A, it was a it, it was a it was a shiznit show at the cluster fluck. Factory. There you go. I very, have tried. love the way you very slow carefully so that I do not that, get fired. Quite I've eloquent. said it on air. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, oh, I got to say that slow. Because if I messed that very up, it, how stupid would I would be to get fired over messing up something like that? It's like hearing Vince Scully talk about in 1949 <laughs> when he meant to say hot shot hit foul, but he just switched to <laughs> exactly. and he thought he was done. Yeah. And that or was what, in 1949. Or what the Cowboys called Tavon Austin, a web back. Yes. You say that very say slow. slow. Oh, that I've never heard that one. tackle from they got hurt. What's Ross Black Lock. <laughs> yeah, say Black Lock. Oh, yes. yeah, don't, don't say it fast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Good stuff. Hum- humor and toilet humor were already in midseason form. Uh, but no, Rod, so the two positions in this offense where or that are pivotal to this offense where you really had nothing going for you last year are tight end, which I think we will see more 12 personnel, and yeah. I think you'll see that position be more diverse, and the slot. They really never found – the guy they needed in that slot. And, again, you think about the guys Tom Herman's had, whether he's been an OC at Rice or 
Iowa State, Ohio State, or his time at U of H. I mean, at Rice, he had James Casey, mm-hmm. who that they used Probably everywhere. Probably most versatile. Right. They used, was, they used him ball. everywhere. He was a wildcat quarterback, a yeah. running back, slot, split him out wide, whatever. Uh, you go to Ohio State, and he had Dontre Wilson and Jalen Marshall mm-hmm. and Philly Brown, some yeah. dynamic, diverse guys. Yeah, those guys. little Percy Harvin guys. He had mm-hmm. DeMarcus you know I mean? Ayers at U of H. Yeah. Just a guy that, hey, it doesn't matter. We're going to get him the ball, and we'll do it a number of different ways because he's that good. Who fits kind of a little Jordan Humphrey mold. That's what little Jordan Humphrey's got to be for this offense. If you want to maximize what you do on offense, you've got to go in. And I know Tom Herman said on Monday, you know, talking about how many balls are the tight ends going to get. And he's like, well, I don't call the defenses, and you get through a game, and why'd you only get that guy the ball x number of times while the defense was doing this no that's your job as an offensive staff is to figure out a way regardless of what they do this guy is so good he needs to touch the ball x number of times and we've got to scheme ways to get him involved yeah i agree with that see but this is supposed to be okay so this is to me where self-scouting um comes into play right you're supposed to be assuming or anticipating the counterpunch right um but you got to have an identity to do that so if you're if 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 Lou Jordan Humphrey is the main receiver, teams are going to roll coverage his way, and they're going to try to take him away, and that's going to leave them vulnerable somewhere else. And Texas is supposed to be able to take advantage of that, whether it be leaving Colin Johnson in man-to-man coverage, and he's going to be, I don't know, six six inches or eight inches taller than, than any of them. DB, yeah. Or it's, you know, the, them guys can't devote numbers to stopping the running game, so they leave themselves vulnerable to you being able to run the football those are the type of things that happen when you have a playmaker that teams try to adjust to. They have to defend. All right, they build a defensive game plan around trying to stop those guys. Texas right now really doesn't have that. If you're going to play Texas, what do you take away? Ellinger's feet. You know that's why I said this. This is why the Maryland game is big because you know Texas really doesn't know how they're going to. Maryland's going to attack them. You know what I mean? And Maryland doesn't really know. It's kind of a guessing game. You almost have to self-coach and go, okay, if I was them based on what they know about me, how would I attack myself? How would Mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean, what would be the game plan? And if I play Texas in terms of defending the offense, I'm going to make them show me they can run the ball. I'm definitely not going to let Sam Ellinger start slinging the ball to those wide receivers because I can't run with those guys, and we ain't got the talent to run with those guys. You don't want him in the the pocket. But if we can muck it up. Yeah, you know what? Show me you can run the ball. So I might come at it with a three-man front, you know what I mean, and see if they can run the ball. Texas couldn't run the ball versus three-man fronts last they year. They couldn't run it against Maryland. They averaged less than two and a half a carry last you know year. And I mean? see like, if Ellinger so can identify. If you're Maryland, you're almost coming with the same game plan you had last year. Like, all right, well, they couldn't beat it last year. What made, And I know last year a different team, obviously, and we'll get into breaking it down, but you know what makes me think that they can run it this year because there's been a lot of optimism surrounding the program. They lost Connor Williams. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, so I, I, I think that's going to be the challenge for Tom Herman and this staff and in Maryland game specifically. How, how are you ready for the counterpunch? If they take your, if they take the runaway, how do you manufacture those yards? Do you make the passing game an extension of the running game, turn into a high percentage passing game where you're just getting it to Lou Jordan Humphrey and getting it to uh, the slot wide receivers really quickly and letting them make yards after the catch and yak yards? All right, are you deciding? You know what? We're gonna go twelve personnel. We're gonna put more bodies in the dirt, and we're just gonna beat them in the numbers game. We're gonna pound it down in the third. We're gonna run. We're gonna bang our head up against a brick wall. Well, you know what? Sam's gonna be the extension of our running game. We're gonna do bootlegs and waggles, and um, we're gonna get him outside the pocket, and we're gonna run quarterbacks in between the tackles and quarterback power. Like, what's your counterpunch? Because last year, when the fit hit the shan, and your first option was taken off the table because of a good defensive game plan, and you were out coached versus Maryland, probably versus TCU, and. Honestly, probably versus Texas Tech too. You didn't really have a counterpunch, right? 
and I want the counterpunch because that's what you're you're a good coordinator then and you're not a good play caller because the difference between a good coordinator and play caller good coordinators can can construct game plans they can devise them they can implement them great yeah you know what that's what Greg Davis was he was a great coordinator but he wasn't a great play caller from that standpoint, and I thought Sean Watson was a good coordinator because yes, his, his opening scripts yes. were really good. But yeah. you're not a great play caller because the play caller That's comes in the fact that you got to use your instincts. Yes, it's more like chaos theory. When 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 there's no game plan, everything's got to be scrapped. You got to go off instincts. You got to be a feel the flow of the game. You gotta you gotta anticipate where Freestyle. it's going. You gotta roll the dice. As it's kind of a rapper. Some rappers they need the lyrics that are written mm-hmm. down. You know what I mean? They, exactly. And they can flow with it. Boom. And they can't freestyle. Mm-hmm. But some rappers, That's they can your do coordinator. Both. They can freestyle and they can write it down and, and kind of flow in the studio. And <laughs> sometimes they can freestyle, but they can't write it up and do it in the studio with the bars and the studio. So it's weird. And I think play caller and coordinators are, are the same thing. And I think sometimes they are both. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, guy like Urban Meyer. That's a transcendent says, talent. I'm a, I'm a coordinator. I'm a play caller. But this is what I do. You know, I, mean, I think Lincoln Riley is one of those guys. Um, and I think Tom Herman is one of those guys. And I think that's why people want Tom Herman to take over. Tim Beck, nothing against him. He's not proven to me as a good play caller. That when the team and when you makes their adjustments and they take away what you were trying to do and they take away what's supposed to be your identity, then he panics a little bit. And then he's like, all right, well, I'm going to try this and try that. Like, no, be ready for it. Go, okay, I was anticipating y'all was going to do this. Watch me go to work. And, you know what I mean? Like, I don't see right. that. Major Applewhite was great at that. Major Applewhite was a good play caller. Like, he he kind of, he, he was ready for the, because it's like it's like a heavyweight fight. So he was ready for the, for the pounder punch. And I don't think Tim Beck is ready for that. He may be this year, though. He may be this year. I don't know if you can grow that overnight. That's instincts. And that's the one no. thing about the Texas offense, just the uncertainty you're talking about. And, like, we just saw that Daily Fantasy came back to college, so I was starting to do a lot of research into just disbursement of targets, things like that. And Texas was one of the few teams that you really still have questions about because something like Trey Watson being added to the equation sort of changes things because Tom Herman likes to throw the ball two backs. And when I yeah. started to see some of the better – I mean, Sportsline has Daily Fantasy – projections for college football which Jeff and Horns 24-7 works with and they had Trey Watson I was impressed I was like wow more than 15 carries projected and like almost four receptions so if you're talking 15 carries to him 10 down below and then five maybe to Porter Ingram somebody like that yeah. off the bench that's a, and that would be a disbursement to where if you have somebody being added to the equation that's giving you the work horse load and being the target out of the backfield to where if you're talking about uncertainty what is the best thing for a quarterback when he doesn't have anything it's that uh, security blanket somebody to dump down a way that we saw remember the catch rate for Trey Watson 88% around their guy that doesn't drop passes it seems as if if he's earning the or as a starter he gets everything that's involved with the offense and the duties of the position so I mean if you are being having to help with offensive line and back in pass protect a chip and and just being able to identify that soft spot around the quarterback for that dump-off pass is so huge. And if he can be that to add on to Ellinger's legs, that's two ways to extend offenses with pieces that you really didn't think you'd have or knew if you'd get to contribute. So if you get that type of production that some people are expecting from him, that could be a big bonus. I want to focus on the play-calling situation just real quick from this standpoint. Rod, I'm at the point with... The Tom Herman, Tim Beck dynamic, kind of where I was with the Charlie Strong, Vance Bedford dynamic. Mm-hmm. You can get on that guy who's got the coordinator title or the play caller title, whatever yeah. title you want to put on him, but 
the guy in charge in Charlie Strong's case with the defense or Tom Herman with the offense, like to me, you're almost just wasting your breath because it's ultimately that guy's responsibility. And I know what Tom Herman said in a press conference, and a lot of what's said in yeah. press conferences, coach speak. I, mm-hmm. I, as a media member, I understand that. Yeah. But I also understand that, look, this is Tom Herman's offense. This pro-spread offense, it's his offense. Whether he wants to say it's the Texas offense or not, this is his offense. And he is ultimately responsible for what happens, which, which is Which he said. Yeah, right. he was he saying it's not Tim Beck's offense. He was saying exactly right. that. He and was what saying he it said, isn't Tim Beck's Right, offense. and what he said yesterday yeah. in the – what he, Which is accurate. What he said Monday in the press conference, I loved it yeah. because that's what I want to hear from I, a guy on that side of the ball to say, look, if you want someone to blame, blame me. Like, okay, I agree. I want to know where the buck stops offensively, yeah. regardless of who's calling the play or yeah. whatever. So I know who to blame. As you say, yeah. Rod, when fit hits the shan, yeah. who needs to raise their hand and say, yes, this is my it's responsibility? And then he reiterated, looked at Texas fans and said, Texas fans, blame me, blame yeah. us. And for, you know, which I love. I look, you guys I know, it. you guys know, and anybody listening to the show, anybody that's followed my work at Horse 24 7 knows. I was not a big Sean Watson fan when Charlie Strong hired him. I didn't like the hire. No, I just thought it wasn't going to work. I was not a fan. But, and I didn't give him a pass for year one, but going into year two, what did we say all that offseason? All right, if you're going to stick with the same guy, you want to ride with him, that's fine. But you better be different. You better put some kind of different product out there than what we saw last year. And they year. said you, they were going to be different. And it was the same thing. And it was, and it was, an, thing. It was a yeah. worse version of what it was we saw a, the year it, before. They basically had the same product. They put different packaging around it, but it was the same damn thing as it right. was. Yeah. Even the, even the players said that. Remember the players mm-hmm. admitted, like, well, we're doing the same stuff. Yeah. It's like you say. We yeah. sped it up. But it was the same it's thing. like you say, oh, we've got this great new soda. No, it's not. You took a Dr. Pepper can and slapped the <laughs> exactly. new label on it. It's exactly. the same That's old Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Nothing yeah. against Dr. Pepper, but you guys get what I'm saying. Damn Zelensky Auto Parts. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all, all I want is the GD box. Yes. Uh, I could take a crap in a box and slap guaranteed on it. Uh, but anyway, uh, got me off track a little bit. But no, Sorry. I, I – I was. That's what I was thinking towards with Sean Watson going into your tech. You better show something different. And to me, Rod, it's no different than Tom Herman and Tim Beck. If Tom Herman made a gamble by bringing back the, the same staff, he valued staff continuity over changing things up. Which, if you if you want to do that, that's fine. If if you think that's the best way to run your program and for the future, he made of this a program, couple of changes though. He brought in Herb Hand. He moved Corby Meek as the wide yeah, receiver, but the the tweaks, tweaks, tweaks. Right. Tweaks. There were no wholesale changes. No. And if you want to do that, that's fine. You're you're with the head coach or well, then you're right yeah. to do that. But you better put out a better product than what we saw last year. And as you said, that's the one thing you can really take issue with with this offensive staff last year. They were not ready for the counterpunch. Especially yeah. go back to this Maryland game last year. They weren't. When they got hit in the mouth, they were not ready for anything that happened thereafter. And it was just there were too many games last year where it felt like as you pointed out, Rod, they're just kind of calling plays, yeah. trying to figure out what might work rather than here is this package of plays that we know in this situation against exactly. such and such coverage or such and such front or we're, such and such yeah. series of blitzes. We know we feel like these will work. Yeah, they didn't seem prepared for a lot of the adjustments. And maybe that's because they didn't feel like they had any counter punches. Right. You know, maybe they felt like they were out of punches because the offense was so bereft of talent at certain positions and they were discombobulated because they had no offensive identity. I just think for Longhorn fans watching, that's the one thing that they're craving, that they're thirsting for. You know, we've had one offensive identity, I think, in the last eight years on the 40 Acres, and that was the Deontay Foreman, Sterling Gilbert, Veer and Shoot, Shane Bouchelle year in 2016. Other than that, there is no year you can look at since Colt McCoy left 
where you go, oh, no, that was the defined offense by identity. The beautiful thing about it, on the defensive side, you have Todd Orlando, who has a clear defensive identity. Like, it was it was like a parent in the first, like, four or four or five games, right. and that was even with the Maryland debacle that you knew, number one, he's going to stop the run, uh, make him one-dimensional. Number two, he's going to pressure the hell out of the quarterback in a ton of different ways. And number three, he's going to force turnovers. It was literally yep. in that. And then maybe I can also score touchdowns too. I mean, it was <laughs> his modus operandi was, was clear. And on the offensive side, if somebody asked me, and I used to go on national talk shows, and they'd be like, so uh, offensively, what's Texas trying to do? I'm like, I don't know what the hell are they trying to do. I'm glad, you know, it's a Sam Ellinger show pretty much, and that's what I called it last year. I think that's what Texas fans – are ultimately trying to identify. At least that's what I'm trying to identify in this game. And like you said, they've had a whole entire offseason to work on it. And the, the interesting thing is that Tom Herman has a, a defensive coordinator that is so extraordinary, in, in most people's opinion, including mine, that he could have the Lincoln Rally type you know, mentality where, man, I'm focusing on offense. You got defense, right? You got that? You good? You got it. All right, cool. I'm going to do offensive special teams, man. I you know, when you need me on defense, when I see a couple of breakdowns, I'm going to come over and holler at you. But other than that, you good, right? You got that? All right, cool. You know what I mean? He really could have that mentality because he had that luxury, I should say, with Todd Orlando. Yeah. So I don't even know. So I, I, this year, I just wonder how to go. If if ten, if it doesn't look good in the Maryland game, I get if the offense does not look good, you know what Longhorn fans and number one criticism is going to be. Yeah. What the hell happened to the <laughs> offense? I thought it was going to be better. Why is it not better? So I think there are so many different ways to try to improve it, and that's what I'll give Tom Herman credit for. Brought in Herb Hand to help with the offensive line. Uh, the, the running back position, I said it was the uh, worst position in terms of talent on the 40 acres uh, this past spring. They brought in Trey Watson. Uh, they brought in Calvin Anderson also with the offensive line. And I think Danny um, Young will be better. I, I, I'm not going to sleep on him. And I know yeah. when I joined you on the Rodcast Rod uh, on, on Monday, which, by the way. And we criticized wide receivers a lot last year. He made a change there, too. Tom Herman did everything he wanted to do. He, like, he needed to do, I should so By the way, during this season, I'll be on with Rod uh, Mondays and Thursdays. From, from two, two to three. three. Nice. On the Rodcast, nice. chopping it up. Um, we kind of agreed to disagree on Danny Young. I think he leads this team in rushing. I think it's – Right around 700 mm. yards. I, I think he's going to be the workhorse back uh, of that stable. I don't know if there's a workhorse on this. I, I think it's going to be Danny Young. Right I'm now. I'm taking all my chips, and I'm pushing them to the middle of the table of workhorse, on Danny I Young. Say. I think he's a 20 to 25 carry a game back. Oh, there's no guy on this team that's a 20 to 25. I think, I think, I think well, that's the same. But if we're looking not at yet. the numbers Keontae right now, if you were to combine, say, Trey Watson's projected uh, rushes and Young's projected rushes, it's that's 25.3. Yeah, exactly. So it's like that's yeah. sort of like – if. In and then you can have your specialty back or third yeah. down back. Where be, that's going to get like your committee. five. So, but opinion. if he's saying that he feels he's the workhorse guy, if you're talking about 30 rushes and you're going to disperse like say five and eight, that's still like getting a good 17 for college. If you multiply no, 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 17 by yeah. 13, get that out there. You're talking 200 plus. Texas hasn't had a guy getting around that. You're talking a thousand yard rusher. That's a Deontay Foreman's the only guy in like. Yeah, I'm not saying Malcolm Danny Brown. Young's going to get 20 to 25. I'm saying he's capable of if you wanted to put that. I, I on think him. ultimately the running back position ends up being like wide receiver last year where hell it's almost a different guy every week that's you're like oh damn he got i know he was gonna step up and have 98 yards this week oh this guy had it's the one it's, it's gonna be a committee thing because i think they don't really know obviously they have they didn't know last year yeah and the big Even thing the chris warren experiment we know like they didn't really know what the hell was going on in running back they just kept throwing stuff at wall to see if it's it's stuck. And if Young has that versatility, though, if you look at, like, say, a guy like – if you look at just upside in skill set, a guy like Young, really good as a receiver,
receiver, probably a guy that can pick up pass blocking concepts. He's been in similar type offenses as, you know, I mean, four years in college already compared to Young, who has been moving around inside this offense, maybe in second year here, maybe able to pick it up quicker. But you talk about a guy like him, if he can do those other things around being the workhorse back, then he'll earn that playing time. But that's the main thing is the playing time might just be dispersed because you got these platooning bodies and they know yeah. just a modern concept of using the running back position. You don't want to have a guy bludgeon his head in there 20 straight times because he's not going to be fresh at the end of the year. Um, let's go to the defense, Rod, because we talked about defense and you said it. I agree with you. If you got players, you can have a good defense and you look at the talent on this defense and the experience. Uh, we'll include Anthony Wheeler's numbers, but again, thankfully this is the last time we get to say this. Anthony Wheeler suspended for the first half of the Maryland game because of this targeting penalty he got in the bowl game, which is asinine in and of itself, but that's another conversation for another day. You've got 140 career combined career starts by your starting 11 on defense, and that's with Caden Stearns having never started a game as a true freshman yeah. at safety. So, Rod, you've got players – You've got experience. You've got a scheme from Todd Orlando that you know is going to work. Here's my big question with this Maryland game, whether it's Kasim Hill or Tyrell Pigram, uh, unless something crazy happens between now and then, it's, it's allegedly going to be Kasim Hill as a starting quarterback. Can this defense handle a dual-threat quarterback, a true dual-threat quarterback? Because last year Tyrell Pigram ate this defense alive. And granted, the defense we saw in week one against Maryland and the defense we saw in game 13 against Missouri – Two completely different defenses in terms of confidence, understanding yeah. of the scheme, fundamentals, etc. Very good sign. But when you start to look at the numbers, I go back to this. I wrote this after the Maryland game last year. In the Charlie Strong era, Texas was 4-10 and ten against quarterbacks who were either first or second on their team in rushing yards. Yeah, I remember it. Yeah, breaking that down like a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean that was just uh, Charlie. That was Charlie Strong's weakness. But you know what? It was Mac Brown's too. Mac, go back to Mac Brown. You can take it even further than that and go back to Mac That's Brown's last t- year. That skill set does that. That's where the stat came from initially because it was going against Marcus Mariota uh, that year and Taysom Hill and all those guys. That's where the stat came from well, last year. Even, last even year Mac too. Brown, because basically go from 2013 and 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 take that stat mm-hmm. um, which all I, the way to with, Taysom. Yeah, which 20, I started all the way back then. Yeah, well, first or second on your team in rushing. And 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 that's 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 re- that's really a dual threat guy. I mean, that's a guy who's actually probably a prominent rusher on the team. Not a probably as a prominent rusher on the team, and one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the country. If you can be in that statistical area, mm-hmm. Texas played a ton of those guys in 2013 and like 2014 and 15. Yep, and they didn't do well against them. And honestly, I don't think any defensive coordinator can handle. It. Honestly, the truth is that is the that skill that set. Is, that that skill set you could argue has been the kryptonite for even the Nick Saban Superman True. model. It's like, the that's one the only people that took him down was Cam Newton and Johnny Manziel and Deshaun Watson. Those are only the quarterbacks that can even take True. him down. And then also those quarterbacks that who beat the greatest team arguably in the history of college football, USC. It was a dual threat quarterback, one of the greatest. That's the only way really that you can break down the Superman model of a great team because that guy's a great equalizer, which is why Tom Herman ultimately went with Sam, Sam Ellinger. Has that upside. Uh, but you look at this defense, guys, and I think this is a really good challenge. Not to say that Maryland is a juggernaut running the football, but they ran for 263 in Austin last year. It was the, yeah. by far the most Texas yeah. gave up on the ground. The next closest was TCU, and TCU had like 177, and I think they were under 
for a carry. In yeah, that but, game. I think there but were, look at some of those Kenny Hill. There were a couple runs, Kenny Hill scrambles that yeah, yeah he had a couple bills, couple big yardage. third down chunk yardage. Yeah. yeah, so it's not like this team was getting gashed on the ground thereafter. But Rod, you talk about the dual threat quarterback eleven. It was Pigram and Hill in that Maryland game. Yeah. Alex Delton in the K State game. Wow. So yeah, I forgot about that. That's really the next step. If you're saying okay, what's next for this defense? To me, it's that. Can you can you neutralize? a dual threat quarterback and make them like it's it's something i remember is I, there is there well, a way to do it no but just, but this I, is this is where i'm going with this i was watching the all or nothing series on amazon with the cowboys because yeah. i'm a cowboys fan yeah and they're getting ready to play green bay and jason garrett and rod marinelli are watching aaron Rodgers film and they're telling the defense make him play from the pocket make him play mm-hmm. from the pocket well, hell, if everybody figured that out, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be, other than Tom Brady, maybe the greatest quarterback of this generation. <laughs> exactly. He's so, so quick that he chooses just, to play just outside make him play the from pocket. the pocket. Just, just make yeah. him play from the pocket. I, say, I know. Coach, defense coordinators act like it's so simple. Hey, man, you know what? Keep keep that guy from the sidelines. Yeah. Keep him contained. It's like, oh, well, if I can keep Saquon Barkley contained, Coach, you wouldn't yes. need Saquon freaking Barkley. Exactly. All right? <laughs> so, so Don't we'll, let Randy Moss beat you deep. He's Randy Moss. You better wrap up on Barry Sanders. <laughs> Rod, if this, if, this, if this Texas defense – if this Texas defense is going to be vulnerable anywhere, I think it's going to be right up the gut at the point of attack because you don't have Puna Ford anymore. And you lose Malik and I'm stuff. really interested to see what a 282-pound Malcolm Roach looks like at middle linebacker because that's probably where he's going to start in this game. He's yeah. a junk. Like, he looks like, I'll tell you, he looks like junkyard dog out there. It let's sounds like a, a violent way. Yeah, let's get him a chain. Yeah. He looks like junkyard dog. I mean, the whole body. And junkyard dog was very athletic. So I think junkyard Rest in dog, peace, JYD. He probably easily could be, yeah. I'm going to have to Google this, linebacker. dude. Uh, you know, you remember Junkyard? Is he a wrestler? I yes. Assume. Okay. Damn. See, remember, y'all forget I don't watch wrestling, uh, so like, sure. <laughs> I just have learned um, so much from y'all. <laughs> but to no, but to your point, I I agree with you about the defense. You know, I don't know if there are going to be a lot of vulnerabilities with this Todd Orlando defense, but that could easily be one, just from all the reasons that we just talked about. I don't know if anybody has an antidote to uh, to that a, a true dual threat quarterback having a great game. Lohan fans got a chance to watch it a few times versus Charlie Strong and with Mac Brown this in the last years of Mac Brown. But this with the spread concepts, with the up tempo, with RPOs now with all these offensive advantages, like the defense is su- they are, are such a disadvantage. And then you throw in a plus one, the maybe the best athlete on the field now sometimes at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Man, what the hell? What, what what do you want me to do? I think some defense coordinators just throw their hands up. And unfortunately, Texas this year, if you're bringing this up, you want to take it even further. The Big 12 this year may have one of the best crop of running quarterbacks they've had in a long time. True. Sean Robinson, Kyla Murray. Uh, of course, uh, Alex Delton uh, with K State. Right. Like they got some guys in the Big Twelve. Charlie Brewer at Baylor. Charlie Brewer at Baylor yeah. has functional mobility. He can move around. So you Kyle Kemp at Iowa State is kind of yeah. He can yeah. He can move around a little bit. Kind of that functional mobility thing. So hmm. yeah, you got guys that and yeah. So I, and, and they're combined with a lot of good running backs also in the Big Twelve. Yeah, if you're looking for something that could potentially be. Uh, something worrisome for that Todd Orlando defense. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, that's and, why this is a really good test yeah. for this defense. Right and, out of and the they gate. and they play they they're about assignment football, so they'll break it down and basically start running option on you. 
And since they got that, basically all they need is a crease. All they need is one guy to miss an assignment, and boom, they can break it big. Right. And that's where Texas' pass rush will be so big because if you're talking about a guy that's trying to extend plays, it's like the only time that you can take away a dual-threat quarterback is those first four seconds before he's a dual-threat quarterback. If your pass rush can get to him and make that decision be out of necessity for him to evade the rush instead of by choice to go out extending there and the extending play. options. So if Texas is able to replenish that D line and be able to get pressure from the back like they did before and be able to confuse the looks to where you can get there in four seconds, then you won't have to worry. But then if they aren't able to do that, which they did a ton last year, which made Texas defense so good last year, then you might be in trouble because then you're on that other quarterback's clock instead of him playing on your defense's clock. You just brought up, though, the D-line for Tyler Lando is supposed to be one of the best D-lines he's had as a defensive coordinator. I mean, I've done the research. He He's hadn't had a lot of great D-lines. Even yeah. with Ed Oliver there, I don't know if you have as much all-around talent and depth as you do here with Brecken Hager and Charles Amenahu and, you know, Chris Nelson up there in front. And even, I think, Malcolm Roach, I include him in the defensive front because he's just so damn big. So, I agree with you. I, I think uh, the D-line, if there's anything that can help him out, it would be the D-line as opposed to with the going up against the rushing right. quarterback. Uh, as we move into predictions and time to give our predictions for this game, oh, kind man. of the game within the game. Oh, don't forget about Ty Johnson, too. We didn't, we're talking about dual-threat quarterbacks. They got. I mean, that guy's an explosive runner in the backfield. Yeah, oh, exactly. Ty Johnson. Yeah, yeah, from Maryland. I mean, averaging I think, I think like seven and a half. A yeah, carry some for his freaky career. number, man. Yeah. That he averaged so he didn't get a lot of action, but he. Man, well, I he think got it. I think the problem with Ty Johnson last year was once you were down to like you know the Cowboy playing quarterback, you really lose the element of surprise at that point. You don't yeah. have that other element you've got with it's the true. you know where you can do different things at the mesh point and move him around. He kind of yeah. just have to roll. That with what guy's you've got. an explosive game. Very player. tough to stop in the pass game. Yeah, and yeah. and four four starters coming back on the offense of line for Maryland. And that, to me, is the game within the game. It's the chess match between Todd Orlando and Matt Canada because right. even the Maryland writers, like, nobody really knows what Matt Canada's going to do. Hmm. Like, traditionally, he's been a two-tight end, real similar to Brian Harson, Double tight ends, a lot of motion, a lot of funk, but you want to be a physical, hard-nosed running team, and you're going from you know a guy, Walt Bell, who was a spread guy, who's now with Willie Taggart at Florida State. It's yeah, you might want to be that, but do you have the personnel to be that? And how, you know what? I, that's what Todd Orlando really has to figure out: is what is Matt Canada going to do? What's he going to try to be with his personnel, and then try to go after him from there? That's yeah. going to be a really intriguing chess match. No, no, I think you, I think you're right. I, to me, you know, on the defensive side for Texas, I do. I want to see how Todd Orlando matches up with this group and what he does really to um, anticipate. Whatever Matt Cannon's going to do, because like you said, the mystery, I think, is one of the biggest advantages for Maryland right now offensively. That mystery, because you have no idea right. what, what they're going to do. Nobody, you're watching LSU film, for God's sakes. Like, that's not an accurate. Like, I know you want to just see his philosophy and ideology, but that's not an accurate depiction and of what he's going to do at Ma- all. Maryland Spring Game TV copy is going to give you personnel. <laughs> that's yeah, pretty much it. That's pretty much it. You know, that's the vanilla as it gets. Yeah. I mean, yeah. All right, let's go ahead and make some predictions. Matt, what is the official spread as of right now on this game? It is minus 13 Texas over under at 56 and a half. Okay. Minus 13. Yeah, that's because Maryland's – we haven't talked about that, but they, the program's in disarray. Yeah. yeah when the Durkin suspension is, happened, it went from 11 and a half to it's been floating around 13, 13 yeah, and a half, so it moved exactly. to two points. And, and they still haven't really figured out, resolved it. They're still investigating. DJ yeah. Durkin's still on administrative leave, so Matt Cannon's going to be – and that's one thing, too. 
will he be focused totally on the offense? Because now he's the head coach and the OC. A lot yeah. of stuff going on. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. that's and, a lot going on. And that. a lot of reverse line movement towards Texas because you've seen Texas grow as a favorite, but you've seen the over-under go down. It's went down from 58 to 56 and a half. So if they're thinking Texas is going to win by more and there's going to be less points, that's double in Texas' favor. Uh, Matt, what say you about this game? I got Texas going 35-20. I think they'll barely okay. co- cover. And if you look at Texas, Tom Herman doesn't like to kick field goals in the first place. It's just the numbers game. It's better to go for the big touchdowns in Texas. Doesn't, you know, have, might have another question mark at kicker. So all TDs for the Horns. Okay. Rod Babers, what you got? Uh, yeah, I got the Longhorns winning. I think it's a statement game for the coaching staff. I mean, like I said, they weren't outcoached a lot last year, but uh, they were outcoached versus Maryland. Maryland just had a better game plan coming into the game. I think Todd Orlando has circled this game. He's going to take it personal. Uh, Tom Herman and Tim Beck, hopefully it's uh, we see fruit from this, this marriage uh, between the two as basically co-play callers. So I think Texas wins. I think they win by – Two touchdowns. I, they should win by – I got them winning by maybe 16, so I'll take them 36-20. to 20. Uh, Matt, I'm like with it. you. I don't think we'll see a lot of Texas field goals in this game. Right along the same lines, to me, this is a game about – it's a statement game for the program in terms of is this a mature program? Is this like a that. program? Because you look at last year's yeah. Maryland game, they got up 7 nothing, and then they took their foot off the gas. And now – with, we could talk about the stuff surrounding Maryland and how are they going to come out. You know how the best way for Texas to combat that? Come out, punch them right in the face, and give them no hope right off the bat <laughs> because with the fragile psyche of that program right now, if they do get punched right in the mouth, do they just kind of crater and give in, and then you're off to the races. If Texas handles their business, they don't focus on the outside noise and just focus on themselves and handling their business, Texas is the better football team. They should win this game. They will win this game. And I think Texas is going to end up covering. I got Texas winning this game 28-13. I love your point about maturity. I think it's one of the best points anybody's made about this matchup because last year, Texas had so many big plays where – I think they were pre, they, they prematurely believed, like, oh, we got to win this game. Mm. Like, you know what I mean? They had the non-offensive touchdowns. You scored touchdowns. three non-offensive touchdowns you know I mean? and lost. Yeah. So you had, like, so many, like, as a for a young team, these roller coaster moments where they're just like, oh, man, hell yeah, we got to awesome. win. We're Texas, baby. That's what we do. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, I didn't even think. I was like, damn, I guess we are going to win. It's crazy. Like, how, do, how often do you get a non-offensive touchdown? And then how many, how many times do you have multiple non-offensive touchdowns three, in the game? Three and lose by ten points. by double digits. Because to me, I'm with you. I think totally they just they, – they started to believe the own hype like during the game. Like, yep. hell, man, we basically already won. We just got to show up. Emblematic um, of the season right there, the yeah, roller coaster not, not ride. Not those, those touchdowns weren't, weren't well-deserved or well-earned, but I think it kind of psychologically it did a number on a very yeah. young football team. So I agree with you about the maturity thing. Don't beat yourself. Right. You know what I mean? They say part of being mature is just showing up to work on time. You'll be able to keep your job most of the damn time. Just <laughs> be mature. You know what I mean? Like, just <laughs> it, don't beat yourself. I think it, all the points you made are right on the money about the maturity for it. All right. We'll see what happens. 11 a.m. FedEx Field, Texas and Maryland kicking off year two of the Tom Herrera. Matt, thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. Anytime.
For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn 1049-1019 AM1260, worldwide on the Horn app and at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Shameless plug. And thanks to Matt, you get us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, anywhere you get your podcasts, and always get our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I am Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.